It's just after 6 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah, what up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. Ah, yes, it does. A Wednesday night, KT early here at Steiner's Pub in a packed house. Usually, you know, 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. It's still a good crowd, dinner-wise, but people coming in for late dinner. But when you get here at about 4.45, 4.30, like I did, join is jumping. All three Steiner's Pub locations are phenomenal. The lighting is tremendous, so you never really know what time it is, which is kind of cool. It's got that Vegas atmosphere, but you've got great gaming. You've got full bar. Cleanliness, top of the line. Pet peeve, Roger Sachs, owner of Three Steiner's Pubs. 1750 North Buffalo, right there at Vegas Drive. That's where KT is on Wednesday nights. 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South, right there at Windmill, the cross street, in between South Point and Mandalay Bay. And then the original, now in their 25th year, 8410 West Cheyenne, also on the west side. So all three properties, 24 hours, which means the only thing bad, if you have a family, Kids are not allowed in. Got to be 21 and older. My kids, I guess, when they're, you know, like three of my four daughters, they're over 21, so they're able to come in. But you can get some great food to go in case there's uh, some youngins there at home that want to try the great food. Full bar, full menu. 24 hours a day, kitchen is open. You can get breakfast four in the afternoon. The food is phenomenal. I just had the South, uh, the Santa Fe. It's like a Southwestern chicken club with the homemade onion rings. It's all I had time for. Usually... I get the lamb chop appetizer. Probably one of the first times, you know, at Steiner's Pub that I did not grab the lamb chop appetizer just because time was of the essence, so I had to get rolling. But if you go into all three locations, in fact, this time between, I think it's four and seven, you've got the happy hour prices off, uh, you know, discounts on the appetizers and then the drinks, two-for-one well drinks, uh, domestic wines, and domestic beers, I believe. That's how it rolls. And there's a couple different happy hours. They also have, right now going on, Las Vegas Review-Journal, the best of Las Vegas. Steiner's Pub, almost every year, they're going to win at least one of eight categories that they're in. So when you go in, please vote accordingly. And I'm telling you, for those that are regulars, they pretty much knock Steiner's Pubs, pretty much uh, just check on all eight of them. Because they've got bar food, bar, uh, beer selection, which they've got. What they don't have on tap, they've got in the bottle. Uh, great breakfast, burger casual restaurant, happy hour, pub, and, of course, sports bar. Those are the eight categories that you can find Steiner's Pub there. And uh, Roger Sachs, he'll make it into this location sometimes during showtime. Now, when I was going 8 to 10, it might be a little bit too late for Sachs. He's getting home. He's doing paperwork, getting ready for the next day because those guys get rolling. He and the general managers real early, and they have all their meetings and stuff like that. But, again, when you walk in on the left side, you're going to see a lit-up marquee. And it is outstanding. It's got all the machines that have paid off over the last week or so. And it's got the amount on the jackpot. And then it's also got the number of the machine and the date. So you can kind of figure out which machines have been hot, which have not. And uh, sometimes you get to pick and choose your machine, sometimes not. Right now, three-quarters of the bar machines are taken up. And this is a really busy time. Wednesday is a great day. People break up the week. You know, you get Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You roll into the weekend. But Wednesday night, where are you going? 
what place can you hang out at that you're going to get great food, great service, and you're going to get not nailed as far as in your pocketbook? And that is Steiner's Pubs because the prices are still phenomenal. So Wednesday nights, come on down, see me here, new time, SportsX Radio, 6 to 8 p.m. And, of course, we got our new uh, format, so let's get to it. Now, the starting five, number one. All right, number one, I had to get to the USA and the FIBA World Cup as far as the basketball because this is a fun team. It's not a dream team like we've had before in the Olympics, but this is a team that is fun to watch and really plays together. Steve Kerr uh, saying, you know what, if I had this type of team year in, year out, I mean, no fights, everybody playing for one another, guys on the bench not whining about time, and you can see it. There's chemistry. Now the USA kind of had it easy in that first group. Uh, they were in Group C with Greece, New Zealand, and Jordan. They pounded Jordan today, 110 to 62. Anthony Edwards had 22 points, eight boards, and four assists. He's playing lights out. They beat Greece pretty good by 26 the other night and pounded New Zealand as well. That was Group C. So now they forge into the second round. Greece goes with them because Greece finished second in Group C. Then Montenegro, who the USA will play on Friday will be their next opponent. They advance as well as Lithuania, and that's who the Americans will play on Sunday. That'll be part of Group J. That is the FIBA World Cup. Number two. All right, you know the U.S. Open. I love it. Love the golf U.S. Open, but I love the tennis U.S. Open. So I'm trying to keep you updated on everything going on. Here's what we have. There's still plenty going on right now in New York, but on the men's side, no problem for number two seed Novak Djokovic. Straight sets over Zapata Morales from Spain. Switzerland, little surprise here. Dominic Stryker, five-set win over number seven seed Stefanos Tsitsipas from Greece. Number 28, USA, Chris Eubanks. He won in four sets. He moves on. Yuri Vesely, five sets, upsets Argentinian Francisco Serendolo. Serendolo's brother is playing right now. I'll keep you updated there. USA, Ben Shelton won a first set and then was up 1-0. And that's when Dominic Team from Austria had to retire. So Shelton moves on for the Americans. Number 14, Tommy Paul, also moves on for the Americans with a five-set win over Roman Safalin. Number 10, Francis Tiafo, also a straight-set win. Uh, actually, he's up 2-0 and was up 4-3 in the third. So I don't want to jump to conclusions. I haven't checked it. But uh, Francis Tiafo or Tiafo, uh, number 10. He will probably advance, and hopefully in straight sets. Mackenzie McDonald, who had an upset win the other day for the Americans, lost in straight sets today. And Taylor Fritz, just underway for the Americans. And number five, Casper Ruud, he is tied right now. Third set was Yang from China. Keep an eye on that one. Could have another upset. As far as on the ladies' side, for USA, Taylor Townsend. Straight set upset of Beatriz Haddad Maya. Maya in the number 19 seed. Elise Mertens, three sets, takes out American Daniel Collins. Coco Goff, the sixth seed, got a scare the other night when she lost her first set, came back and won two straight. Didn't waste any time today, 6-3, 6-2 over Mira Andriva as she gets the W. Number one, Iga Swiatek from Poland, no problem with Daria Seville from Australia, straight set, 6-3, 6-4. Lin Zhu from China takes out Victoria Azarenka. Azarenka from Belarus, one of the crowd favorites, but she just can't get past this uh, second round. She loses 6-3, 6-3. And then Bernarda Para from the United States, who had an upset win the other night, gets another win over Zhu Wang of China and advances to the next round. So I'll keep you updated throughout the weeks as we go through the U.S. Open. Number three. 
All right. This is a little bit of a surprise. I mean, Arizona Cardinals. I mean, they literally just traded with Cleveland to get Joshua Dobbs, youngster out of Tennessee, and he's been a backup. But they made a, uh, a cut yesterday, surprising cut. Colt McCoy goes out. They keep Clayton Toon, the rookie out of Houston. But when they traded for Dobbs, I'm thinking, okay, he's coming in. He's going to battle, you know, maybe for that backup job with Clayton Toon. Instead, they cut McCoy. They keep Toon. But Joshua Dobbs is going to be the starter. He says he's got the playbook down. So we'll see. Arizona opens with the Washington Commanders. Number four. All right, this is big time for San Francisco 49er fans. Head coach Kyle Shanahan, general manager John Lynch, they said, and they are adamant, we will not, we will not trade Nick Bosa. Nick, of course, one of the most dominant defensive players in the league, if not the most dominant defensive player. This guy makes that defense go and is a 49er defense that, you know, year in, year out, they're one of the best in the business, there's no doubt. But if you take Nick Bosa away, and we've seen several years where he's gone down to injury. I mean, you've got Drake Jackson's going to step in there. Cleveland Farrell, the old Raiders, actually playing much better there in San Francisco's lineup. And that's because you've got a guy like Nick Bosa and also Eric Armstead inside left defensive tackle that's going to take pressure and uh, get double team Bosa more than likely. And that opens things up for guys like Cleveland Farrell, Javon Hargrave they get from Philadelphia. That's your line right now. But without Nick Bosa, this team in a lot of trouble. Number five. And I'll stay with the defensive end, uh, or actually this is defensive tackle. But this is another key cog. Only let's shift over to the AFC. Andy Reid, adamant as well. I will not let my guy, Chris Jones, get traded. Chris Jones did not report, just like Nick Bosa did not report. If either one of these teams, as good as they are, do not have these two game breakers as far as on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think either one of them gets to the Super Bowl. I think they both have an outstanding shot to get to not even you know not not only the playoffs but to the championship game. We'll see what San Francisco gets from Brock Purdy. I know he's back. Sam Darnold's the backup, and then Brandon Allen, of course, because they trade away Trey Lance. The offense with Christian McCaffrey for a full year, they're going to be fine. But the defense, again, will not be dominant and will not get the pressure on opposing quarterbacks without Bosa. Same thing with Kansas City. Without Chris Jones plugging up the middle, that really makes the rest of the guys struggle as well. So that is a look at our starting five on this Wednesday. And I welcome in my producer, producer Mark Hoke. Of course, he is the host of the Mark Hoke Show. That is Sunday mornings, 8 to 10 a.m. And if you like professional wrestling, you will love the Mark Hoke Show. One of our pet peeves that's been going on since last year when it became just like, hey, you know what, go ahead, play it. It's the Oriole Magic Anthem. Okay, every time the Orioles would win a game, Mark enlighten me with this song. And, of course, me being a Mets fan, the old meet the Mets, greet the Mets stuff. And so, you know, I threw that at him. But he says, no, no, do you know the Orioles Magic Anthem? And I said, no, let me hear it. So I said, okay, every time they win, this is last year during the show, I think they're going to probably win maybe 20 games down the last couple months if they're lucky. But they kept winning. And you could just see the writing on the wall that this team not only had one of the best minor league systems set up, but you could see some of the good, solid chemistry coming together with the guys that were already in the show. And so we both talked about it beginning of the year and said, this team's going to make it over their win total, 79. They did that five days ago. They continue to excel. Now, they got beat today at Camden Yard, so you won't hear the anthem. But tune in. It's great, like my buddy Dave Deneen 
I don't even like baseball, Dave told me. He goes, but I know that song. And when I put on SportsX Radio KT and I hear that song, I know I've won money. Because I've got my accounts rolling, and you can open your accounts as well. You want to hear some music that's going to be money to your ears? It's the Orioles Magic Anthem. Not going to hear it tonight, but it is great, and I welcome in the biggest Orioles fan I know, Mr. Mark Hoke. How are things going, Mark? Oh, my God, Ken. I am flying around. It's been the three days of professional wrestling for me at the Cauliflower Alley Club reunion, and it has just been uh, pretty exciting. Gotten to meet some of the all-time greats, and uh, CM Punk's paying a visit tonight. Uh, he actually showed up last night, and the controversial superstar, former WWE guy now with All Elite Wrestling, was in the house last night. Got pretty much mobbed most of the evening, but I did get a couple pictures with him. So There you go, and that's all that matters. Get them up on the website, and of course, the Mark Hoke Show should be very, very busy again this Sunday morning, and of course, the great thing about us both being on the Odyssey app is that it has that rewind feature, so if people miss any part of the show or they miss the show entirely, they can go back and listen right there on the rewind feature. Yeah, and this is going to be a crazy week between the the fight that CM Punk got in at All In, plus AEW's All Out pay-per-view is this weekend, as well as WWE Payback pay-per-view. So, Ken, I, I think the show's kind of written itself, wouldn't you say? I would think so. All right, I'm going to get to some scores real quick, but I did tell you one of my pet peeves as far as handicapping. When a streak, no matter what the sport, when a streak gets to eight or more and then is broken, whatever that result is, a lot of times it happens again. The Brewers, nine-game winning streak, short-circuited last night by the Cubs, one nothing, tight game. Cubs beat them again today, 3-2. to two. So there's your payoff right there if you pay attention to that uh, – little tidbit that KT has and I want to say it's at least 65 percent over the last several years and I'm talking in you know hockey or baseball or basketball uh football because it's a weekly sport not as much I don't pay attention to it as much but uh when you get into the sports that are played you know several times a week that comes into play a lot real quick on the scoreboard Atlanta leads Colorado bottom three Braves continue to excel vines on the hill against Freeland that is bottom three one nothing Atlanta that game in Coors Field Arizona and the Dodgers coming up later and the Diamondbacks were playing good solid ball but they've run into that buzzsaw this LA Dodger team is not losing this team's playing 850 baseball over the last month I mean unbelievable they just do not lose and we'll keep an eye on that game from Chavez Ravine that'll be fought and Pepio and uh, against 710 that game will get underway about a half hour from now it's just gone final the Yankees have beaten Detroit 6-2 Garrett Cole another win he's about the only guy making you money Mets have just battled back after Texas, down 3-1, to one, took a 5-3 lead over the Mets. Now top nine. It's all tied at five. Pittsburgh a 3-1 lead, bottom five in Kansas City. Everything else is final. Here are your finals. 5-4 St. Louis knocks off the Padres. They came back from 5-1 down last night and beat the Padres in extra innings. So the Padres team, they're done. They're not making the postseason. It's over. They should have listened to Wayne Krivsky, former general manager Cincinnati Reds, who will be in studio tomorrow night, but should have listened to Kriv. Meanwhile, 4-1 Cincinnati, much-needed win, take out San Francisco and Logan Webb. Last night, Cobb came within one out of a no-hitter for the Giants in that win over the Reds. Meanwhile, White Sox double up on the Orioles, 10-5. Dylan Cease getting a lot of run support. Could have got the pale host, plus 160. Eight and a half was the total game, flies over. Cleveland also surprises Minnesota on the road. Bibby over Gray, 5-2. Could have got a 134 on Cleveland. 
Houston, 7-4. They take care of business again. That's three in a row over Boston behind Framber Valdez, getting a little revenge for getting beat up in Houston last week by those Bo Sox. Seattle comes back and knocks off Oakland, 5-4. They got beat last night, which... Uh, set up a three-way tie for first place. So right now we know the Astros and the Mariners are going to be tied. We'll see what happens with Texas again, 5-5 with the Mets. And uh, let's see what else we have. Dodgers, uh, we gave you that score. It is the Angels, 10-8. They win in Philadelphia. So a nice uh, slugfest over there in Philly, matinee style, 10-8 behind Detmers. The Angels get the win on the road. Toronto had enough of losing to Washington. Chris Bassett pitched a gem, shut him out, 7-0 the final there. Eflin also another good, solid effort for Tampa Bay, and they gain a game now on the Orioles. Can't get rid of these Rays. Only a game and a half behind, I believe, now of the O's. Zach Eflin shuts out Miami, 3-0 the final there. And again, we'll keep an eye on that Texas Mets game, 5-5 in the ninth. We take a break. We will come back. Mr. Mark Lawrence going to join us, going to talk a little NFC, and then we'll get to a couple of the college games. Hour number two, Andy Isco joins me, and then Arthur DeCesar from the Westgate Superbook going to talk a ton of college football. We've got games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and a standalone game on Monday. We're live from Vegas, 101.5 FM, KDON, streaming live on that Odyssey app. Download it now, A-U-D-A-C-Y. I'm Ken Thompson. You're listening to SportsX Radio. We'll be right back. The late Eddie Van Halen. Coming back with a little jump. My brother-in-law, Zach Wild, was good friends with uh, Eddie and uh, God rest his soul. Zach, of course, on tour right now, the Pantera reunion. And I'm going to get there late on Friday night, but I will make it over there to Glendale as uh, Zach doing that Pantera reunion. One of the guys from Anthrax with him as well, and they're playing there with Metallica. That'll be in Glendale, so that'll be a lot of fun. I'll uh, be banging my head against some amp somewhere. And uh, drive my wife crazy, but every now and then got to go metal down a little bit. SportsX Radio Monday through Friday. Remember, new time, 6 to 8 p.m. So if you're just tuning in and you haven't heard the show before, great format. Been on the air. Mm, this is year number 20 here in the Vegas Valley. And K Dawn, year number 15. Producer Mark Hoke, again, his show Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Wednesday nights, the last nine years, Mark Lawrence, Playbook Sports, has joined me. He's back again. We hit the AFC last week. We're going to hit the NFC rapid fire this week. Mark Lawrence, great to have you as always. New time slot, so you actually get to get you actually get to get to bed a little bit early. I do, Kenny. Although I won't, but uh, that's an opportunity that I now have. But uh, I'm looking forward to visiting with you every Wednesday here in the new time on the Odyssey app. There you go. Okay, so. Uh, Dallas Cowboys, Mike McCarthy now in his fourth year. Hard to believe he's there four years already. But this is a team that there's a lot of uh, eh, controversy. But what else? I mean, you got Jerry Jones as your owner. Dak Prescott, you know, ton of interceptions last year. Has some good games, some bad games. Inconsistent, to say the least, and not getting them to where they need to be. And that's, you know, at least to an NFC Championship game, get them to a Super Bowl, something like that. And uh, so a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy from the ownership and also the fan base there. They trade for Trey Lance. I get it. I guess you see something maybe that Nick Shanahan 
probably realized he didn't have. And I trust Shanahan as far as, you know, trying to work things there with Lance. I mean, when you trade three number ones to get somebody, you're going to have major egg on your face if you end up trading the guy away. And that's exactly what Shanahan did. So, you know, Jerry Jones hoping maybe they could find lightning in a bottle. I'm not sold this kid's going to be any good anytime soon. I know it bums out my producer, Mark Hoke, who's a North Dakota State grad. But I just don't see the accuracy when I just, and again, I have only watched him in preseason games and scrimmages and highlights, but I just don't see it. Again, he's only 23 years old, so maybe things change. Your take on this Dallas Cowboy team, because they have a pretty good squad, and we know the defense is formidable, to say the least. Well, I think what uh, San Francisco saw in Trey Lance was a lot of physical attributes and ability, but uh, I think what they overlooked is the fact that uh, he didn't have a lot of experience. He only played one game the year before they drafted him because of the COVID and uh, not very well in that one particular game. So the lack of experience really hurt him. And I think Dallas is going to roll the dice here with what looks to be a possible upside for him. And I'm not a huge Dak Prescott fan myself anyway. I think uh, he's a lot overrated. He doesn't read defenses all that well, and that's what constantly puts them in a hole. There's a reason, Kenny, that uh, it's been 27 years in a row that the Dallas Cowboys have failed to reach the NFC title game. Uh, it's, owner, it's ownership, it's upper management. Uh, Mike McCarthy doesn't help at all. I think, uh, I think he's, his years are limited there. Uh, and if they don't win here real soon here, uh, there's going to be no more excuses. They watched Philadelphia uh, get to the Super Bowl last year. I don't know if Dallas can, uh, can challenge. On paper, they look like they're good. But, you know, Zeke Elliott's gone, although he's probably, in truth, really past his prime. Three playoff teams and two road games are tough for Dallas uh, when they open up the season here. I mean, my goodness, uh, look at their opening trek of their season here. Uh, I think it's going to be tough for this football team here, and I do not see them winning the division. I do like Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State. His dad, of course, on the staff there with Dallas. And I also like, out of North Dakota State, Hunter Lupke. And uh, if that kid makes the cut, I think he made the cut. I think he survived. And uh, he, he actually looked fantastic in the uh, preseason game that I was watching. But, again, he's one of those harder-than-nail type guys. We'll see exactly how the Cowboys forge forward. Next up, the New York Giants and Brian Dable making a, a nice splash there in Jersey because they, play, of course, play in East Rutherford, New Jersey. But the New York Giants, you know, solid year last year, 10-8. Uh, and eight, And, of course, uh, had the tie but this this Giants team pretty solid and with Daniel Jones coming back and Barkley signing and then Darren Waller coming over as well I think this Giants team is dangerous I think a lot of people are looking at them as a flash in the pan and thinking that you know Daniel Jones still has not proven himself although he did get the big contract but I think this Giants team is going to be pretty solid because I think Dable's a hell of a coach I think he is too, Kenny, and uh, you know there's a reason that they snapped a five-year losing streak in his first year. I honestly think that uh, they're going to end up sneaking away and winning the NFC East, the New York Giants, this football season here. Uh, you can throw out all the old history here, but uh, you know they're checking a lot of boxes here right now. Uh, you look at this football team. I know they've struggled in NFC division games in the past. This is not the New York Giants football team in the past. I like the makeup of this team. I like Brian Dable real well. Yeah, they'll open with Dallas at home Sunday night game. Great way to get underway. And then they have a Thursday night game a week and a half later in San Francisco, Arizona. They'll be at Arizona in between. And I, I heard a crash 
uh, in the background. I think that was Mark Hoke's chair falling after you told him that the uh, Giants were going to win the NFCs. Being the big Eagles fan, he is. And Nick Sirianni, what a job he did last year. And they'll open at New England before they get Minnesota on a Thursday night in the city of brotherly love. But this Philly team, they're loaded. And I, I really think, even though the schedule came into play last year, it was rather easy for the Eagles. This schedule this year is ridiculously hard. But I like this team, and they grabbed DeAndre Swift from Detroit. Uh, they don't have Sanders anymore, but you got Kenneth Gainwell and also Rashad Penny coming over from Seattle. A.J. Brown is there, Devonta Smith, I mean, Zacchaeus. This team's got a lot of weapons, and the defense we know is formidable as well. What's your take on the Eagles? Well, there's two things I see working against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, number one, by far the toughest schedule in the league this year after having played the easiest schedule in the National Football League the previous year. And that schedule is what helped propel them to the Super Bowl last football season. I think the menu will be a little bit different for Philadelphia this year. Number two, they're going to be the targeted football team. Not only uh, do they have a roster that's extremely talented, the public is absolutely in love with the Philadelphia Eagles. That's the reason, Kenny, their season win total went up one full game uh, in two weeks after it opened in Vegas. People just can't get enough of this football team. Uh, They are also the defending Super Bowl losing team. And you take a look, it's been one time the last 50 years that a Super Bowl loser has won the Super Bowl the following year. Then you throw in the fact that it's been 19 years in a row that there hasn't been a division-repeating champion in the NFC East. I like to check boxes, and Philadelphia checks a lot of negative boxes for me coming in here. Uh, I'm not going to be a very popular guy because the whole world loves Philadelphia this particular football season, and for a lot of the right reasons, but... There's just too many targets on this football team's back after what they did last year. That's right. You're used to it. You know, you're from Cleveland, so every now and then you uh, kind of realize you're going to fall back to what you know best, and that's not be a popular guy, Mr. Mark Lawrence. But you are here on SportsX Radio on Wednesday nights. Let's get to Washington. Ron Rivera in his fourth year, not doing a great job there. Only won 22 out of uh, 50 games there for uh, the Commanders. Boy, they've gone through football team. They were the skins, and now so he's been there for all of that. What's your take on this squad? I do like Sam Howell, the youngster out of North Carolina, who's been elevated to the starter. I like having a backup like Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Brian Robinson, Jr., good to see him back playing football. Look, the uh, receiving core is pretty solid with Curtis Samuel, but the other two, Terry McLaurin's one of the best, and Jahan Dotson, the Penn State kid, I love him as well. Defensively, you know, there's question marks, but there's a, a defense there that's good enough this team surprised a lot of people last year. Can they do it again? Well, they're going to be uh, one of two teams that are going to start a different starting quarterback in week one this year for the seventh straight season in a row. That ties the league record doing that, uh, them and the Indianapolis Colts, and we'll see whether or not Sam Howell is the answer for this football team. I liked him real well when he was a quarterback at North Carolina. I think he was extremely underrated, and he was a value pick. I think he went in the fourth round. And I thought it was an excellent choice by Washington to do just that. But I heard something staggering uh, that Ron Rivera made the comment that he didn't realize how good Sam Howell was. And I'm thinking to myself, you're the head coach. You should know more than anybody how good Sam Howell is. And this is back when he was coming off the bench and starting games last year. So, you know, he may have, he may have fallen into Ron Rivera's hands. And if he did, I think it's going to help this football team. I think they're going to be sneaky good this football season. All right, and then we've got uh, the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields, who I think is the perfect quarterback to play in the Windy City. Well, he'll get a shot at it. They'll open with Green Bay. What a great way to open up. What a rivalry that is, Chicago and Green Bay. And uh, then they have a couple road games at Tampa and at Kansas City. So we'll see if the Bears can get out of 
the gate with a win at home against Green Bay. What's your take on Matt Eberflus in his second year now with the Chicago Bears? Well, Eberflus is doing, uh, I think he's going to be an excellent head coach. Uh, you know, he's not real popular with people because they didn't know who he was. But uh, he's an excellent defensive strategist, and uh, he's going to help this football team. They're going to go as far as Justin Fields takes them. Uh, he showed vast signs of improvement last year, even more in preseason, or the little bit that he did play in the preseason here. This football team has got a chance to make a little bit of noise here, too. They only won nine games in the past two football seasons here, so they've got a lot of work to make up, this football team does. But they had the number one rushing offense in the league last season, uh, the number 30th ranked team in uh, opponent's yards per point. So they got to tighten that up, the opponent's yards per point, and the Bears could end up at least finishing 500 this year. All right, Dan Campbell in Detroit. What a close they had last year. Just missed out on the postseason. But they look to be one of the best teams in the NFC last year. Now, we talked about DeAndre Swift going to Philadelphia. They've got David Montgomery, who comes over from the Bears, and they also have Jameer Gibbs. A lot of people think they reached for him with their first-round pick, number 23, uh, youngster that played at Georgia Tech and then went to Alabama. Also got Sam Laporte, a good, solid tight end out of Iowa. We know this kid can play. He's going to start. Uh, you've got Josh Reynolds. You've got Marvin Jones, Jr. You've got Amon Ross St. Brown, who had a hell of a year last year. I like the makeup of this team if Jared Goff can show me what he did last year. I mean, you get the same season from Jared Goff that you got last year. There's no doubt this uh, Detroit Lions team has an outstanding chance to make the postseason and win the NFC North. Well, there's a lot of people that think that they should be the team to win the NFC North this year. I'm a little bit concerned, though, Kenny. It's uh, some, Maybe it's a little bit of the contrarian in me than it is opposed to running with front runners. But, uh, you know, what I see is a Detroit Lions football team that met with a lot of success last year. And, in fact, we talked about this when I was in Vegas on the show with EU and Andy, and we talked about the fact that Detroit won more games last year than they did the previous two years combined. That suddenly makes them a hot commodity, if you will, with the public here. Everybody's got them winning the division. All of a sudden, they're casting on a roll that I don't know if they can handle. It's a little bit of a Peter Principle move-up for the Detroit Lions here. Now, they've got the ability to do just that, but until they do, they've got to prove it to me. Uh, I'm going to wait and see. I'm not a huge Jared Goff fan. I wasn't in college at California. He did not put up good numbers there, and I think he struggled throughout his NFL career. I do not see the Detroit Lions winning this division. All right, Matt LaFleur in his fifth year with Green Bay, doing a nice job, 49-22, and 22, but, you know, in Green Bay, they measure by championships. And that's where, you know, when I look back at the lineage of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, both guys only win one Super Bowl. Rodgers getting to, I think it was six championship games, might have been five, but only won one of those. And in that game, that's the one that Jay Cutler got hurt. Lost several of those games at Lambeau Field, so as good as he plays during the regular season, Rodgers did not fare well in the postseason, especially with the home field advantage. Now, Adam Stenovich going to run the offense. Joe Barry does a nice job with that defense. And Basaccia, the former Raider special teams guy, outstanding special teams coach we know there for the pack. They've got players. I like Jordan Love. I think Jordan Love checks boxes for me. A lot of people, you know, until they saw him maybe play a little preseason, didn't know if this kid was going to be able to step in. But just last year in the one game that he played, I thought he was fabulous and just showed that he can – Get it. He gets it. Get outside the tackle box a lot. Give yourself a chance to run and slide, throw the ball out of bounds. As long as you get it to the line of scrimmage, you're good to go. The rules are made to protect the quarterback. I like that. I think Jordan Love 
has an opportunity to do some big things in Green Bay. And I think Christian Watson, the North Dakota State kid, really came on last year. You could see the chemistry with him and Rodgers, but this kid's got lightning fast speed. Dubs, of course, the kid from Nevada is good. They have Jaden Reed now. Uh, there's some playmakers, and I think Green Bay is going to be better than advertised. We know the offensive line's pretty solid. If Bakhtiari can stay healthy there, left tackle, I think Green Bay may have a chance to win that NFC North. I'm 100% riding with you, Kenny, on that. I'm a big Jordan Love fan myself. He really stepped up in the preseason when given his opportunity. Uh, he completed 63.6% of his passes, uh, threw it for 193 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. So he proved that he indeed is ready for his opportunity. And he's running, Kenny, the same parallel path that uh, Aaron Rodgers ran when he was behind Brett Favre, sitting on the bench, watching, waiting patiently for his turn. His turn is now coming up here. The biggest concern for me for this football team is their defense allowed the fifth most yards per uh, per pass, per play, I should say, last football season here. So, too, did every team in the NFC East. They rank in the bottom five in just that yards per play. So a little bit soft that way is this division here, but I think Green Bay is going to be a surprise team this year. All right, so we'll finish up the NFC North real quick, and then we'll take a break, come back, and get the other two rapid fire. Kevin O'Connell, second year there for the Vikings, and they found a way to win all those close games that the Raiders couldn't win last year. Raiders lost all the close ones. Minnesota won all the close ones. We know that Cousins is back running the offense. We know one of the best receivers in the the country uh, as far as uh, NFL-wise, Justin Jefferson, anchors that offense. Jordan Addison, we know how fast he goes in a car. If he can go that fast on the field, he'll really help out as far as Justin Jefferson. Your take with Kirk Cousins in that offense, trying to duplicate what they did last year, Vikings getting all those close wins in an outstanding year. I don't think they can do it. Well, I don't think they can either here, Kenny. Uh, you know, last year uh, they played as well as they possibly could. Uh, they end up winning 13 games despite the fact they allowed more yards than they gained on the season. That is a major no-no. They allowed 31 yards a game more than they gained, yet they won 13 football games. That almost immediately spells regression for a football team like this. Now, I'm kind of a Kirk Cousins fan. I know he's been taking a lot of bashing throughout his career, but all he does is produce uh, despite the fact that when he wins, he doesn't win by enough. But I'm, uh, I'm going to play the, play the percentages here and fade a football team that, like I say, allowed 31 yards a game more than they gained last year, yet won 13 games. I do not see the Vikings winning this division. All right, so we'll come back. We'll talk NFC South, and then we'll sprint over to the NFC West. We'll get it all in in the next 10 minutes. SportsX Radio coming at you, 101.5 FMK Dome. We're streaming live on that Odyssey app. Again, you miss any part of the show, by 9 o'clock Pacific time, you will have the archives pinned at both SportsX, at SportsX Radio and at Ken Thompson 87 on Twitter, now known as X. And, of course, you've got the Odyssey Rewind feature. So download that app there. Remember to hit live if you're, uh, there's a little blue button you can press live if you want to join the show, if you're joining it while it's still going. Otherwise it may take you back to the start of the show, so uh, make sure you uh, you know, follow that. So it's not too complicated, but you've got to pay attention to that. We are live from Vegas again, coming right back, Steiner's Pub, Ken Thompson, Mark Lawrence, coming up hour number two again, Andy Isco, and of course the supervisor there at the Westgate Superbook, my good pal, Arthur DeCesar. Lots of football talk. We're into it, folks. College football, big week ahead, Thursday through Monday games, and next week, Thursday night, it's the opener with Kansas City hosting Detroit. Live from Vegas, we'll be right back.
Laz, L-A apostrophe S. But I love that song. There she goes, and uh, I'm just glad I don't have to say that about my wife. Uh, she hasn't left yet. She's still there. Mark, Colleen's still with you, too, somehow, some way. And Mark Lawrence is with me, of course, on Wednesday nights. Talking NFL football, we'll get into college football big time next week, as well as uh, NFL football with the opener with KC hosting Detroit, but tons of college football. Mark's going to save a play before we get out of here, but we got to get through eight teams in seven minutes so we can do it, especially with the NFC South, which is a rather lackluster division to say the least. Let's start with the Atlanta Falcons. Desmond Ritter's going to get the start. Taylor Heineke backing him up. Bijan Robinson, the youngster out of Texas, good solid running back. Love my guy Drake London, of course, from Southern Cal, good solid receiver. What about Atlanta under Arthur Smith now in his third year? I think they're a sleeper to give New Orleans all they want and challenge for that AFC or NFC South. They could arguably be the most improved team in the National Football League this year, Ken. The offensive line might be the most improved for sure. Since Arthur Smith took over the program here, they made a ton of uh, uh, free agent pickups in the offseason with a lot of talent. They're going to take on the easiest schedule in the National Football League this year. And I'm going to tell you this, that teams the last six years that have taken on the easiest schedule in the National Football League have won 65-28 and 28 straight up, 52-41 and 41 against the spread. I think the Falcons have a chance to win this division. Wow, that's impressive. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Carolina now. Frank Reich, his first year, and also first year for the number one overall, Bryce Young. We expected him to be. We know how good this kid is, the modern-day kid coming out of Bama. Can he lead this team to at least hang in there in the NFC South? Because it looks like this is a crapshoot. There's no sure thing. New Orleans looks schedule-wise to have an advantage. Atlanta, good personnel. The other two teams, can they hang? What about Carolina? I think it's going to be a, a building year for Carolina, especially uh, with uh, Bryce Young coming in here. Uh, they traded up for that number one pick to do that. Only the third time this century that a team has moved up to get the number one pick overall. He's got a couple weapons. They picked up Adam, Adam Thieler in the offseason here. But I think they're also in a rebuild year here. I'm going to probably end up playing them on, on dogs and fading, fading them when they come favored here this football season here. It's going to be a while before Bryce Young establishes himself in Carolina. There you go. Dennis Allen, second year, but he knows all about Derek Carr, was there when the Raiders drafted him. Derek Carr, the heir apparent, Jameis Winston also there. Uh, you still have, you know, excellent personnel all over the the, uh, the team there. Taysom Hill, the Swiss Army Knife. They have Foster Morrow now coming over tight end to help out Juwan Johnson there. Uh, Michael Thomas is healthy. Chris Olave, Rashid Shaheed. I mean, I like the weapons there. Now, we've got Kamara with a three-game suspension, and he's fortunate that's all it is. But they do have Jamal Williams they picked up, who had a stellar year for Detroit last year. I think New Orleans wins this division hands down. I think Carr's going to have a great year with the personnel. Plus, he's got a defense that is pretty solid and an offensive line that's going to give him time to throw the ball. I've got them winning the division with you, Kenny, as well. The defense is really stout. Uh, They allowed the third fewest yards per uh, per play last football season here, the marriage of, uh, if you will, Derek Carr and Dennis Allen, I think will be wonders for this football team here. They'll be the surprise team in the National Football Conference, NFC Conference this year. I'd like New Orleans to win this division. Todd Bowles in his second year with Tampa now is the head guy. He's been there for a while. They open at Minnesota, but I'm not sold. This team's going to be very good. I know they've got playmakers. At the end of the day, they're going to have to prove it to me because I think Tampa Bay is really going to struggle. I think they're going to struggle here, too, as well, Kenny, here. This is the oddity. The Bucks 
Uh, they're, oh, they're not predicted to be favored in any football game this year. That's from the Superbook in Vegas, yet their win total was six games. I don't know how they figure that out to be that. Seems like a little bit skewed to me. Mike Evans, a superstar, last nine years in a row, a thousand receiving yards. Only Jerry Rice has more. I think the Bucks are going to challenge for the seller in this division. NFC West, let's look at it. Joshua Dobbs coming over from Cleveland. Looks like he'll be the starter. Clayton Toons, the backup, but they cut Colt McCoy. Defense, there's some playmakers. The end of the day, this Arizona team really needs some playmakers on offense. I like Rondell Moore if he could stay healthy. James Conner, not a bad running back, but I think it's going to be Arizona, potentially worst record in the league, and they may be okay with that because they may get out of that Kyler Murray contract and move on to Caleb Williams. I was going to say this team is all about five words. You just said them, Kenny. Worst team in the National Football League this year. Dobbs, they picked him up late. They cut Colt McCoy. They're just completely giving up on this football season here. It's, it's sickening how they've thrown the towel in and they'll be tanking all season long. Dobbs comes over with some history with his offensive coordinator, Drew Pensing. But what does that mean to this football team? I mean, they just picked him up the last week of the preseason here. This football team may win two games this year. All right, the Rams going to try and rebound. Yeah, they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. They've got one of the best receivers in the league in Cooper Cup. Van Jefferson, pretty good. Skronik as well. Uh, Cam Akers, pretty solid in the backfield. We know the defense anchored by Aaron Donald, always formidable. Sean McVay now in his seventh year. What about the Rams? They open at Seattle in a conference game, a division game. Uh, Talk to me about the Rams. They're paying the price for winning the Super Bowl, Kenny, because they had to pay all those players and didn't have enough money to stock the roster, and it's really killing them. They're going to take on a league-high four opponents that are coming off bye weeks this football season. They're real thin at the linebacker spot, also the offensive line. Uh, They should only be thankful that the Arizona Cardinals are in their division, otherwise the Rams would be the last place team. There you go. And then San Francisco is just talking about him because Nick Bosa is still holding out, did not report. Look, this team's good, and Purdy had a great year. I'm not sold Purdy's going to have that same type year now that there's a lot of film out on him. And then without Nick Bosa, I don't think this team gets to where they want to get to, and that's the Super Bowl. Well, it's all about Kyle Shanahan. He'll manage this football team as well as anybody does. They led the National Football League in points differential last year, plus 173. And they're going to have a full season of Christian McCaffrey here last year. Uh, he led the National Football League in running backs and receiving yards last year. They are the team to beat in this division this year. Yeah, but without Bosa, it's going to be a different animal. I think he'll sign eventually. We'll see if they can come to terms. Uh, you know that John Lynch will do his best to make sure they can get that done before the start of the season. And Pete Carroll in his 14th year with Seattle. Look, Geno Smith a lot better than I ever thought he was going to be. And I like this team. If they can stay healthy, I think Seattle's a surprise team. They could be. They surprised last year, Kenny. The question is, do they regress this year after last season's surprise? They probably have the best threesome tandem of wide receivers in the National Football League in D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith in the Jigba. But this football team, I think they take a step back rather than forward last year only because they are now going to be the hunted rather than the hunter. Yeah, we'll see if the Ohio State kid, Jackson Smith and Jigba, can come off that wrist injury that he suffered. They'll open with the Rams, as we mentioned. All right, Mark, college football, got Thursday games, Friday games, Saturday games, Sunday games, and a standalone game on Monday. One play is all I'm asking you for for the listeners, Mr. Lawrence. Well, how about a play that might not look so good, Kenny, but I think it will on the scoreboard. South Alabama taking on Tulane. Tulane's in a down season this year. South Alabama... He's got 18 starters coming back here. Remember, Tulane, they went from two wins to 12 last year. That almost always spells regression. The better team is the dog in this football game, South Alabama, plus the points over Tulane.
There you go. Take the Jaguars. That'll do it. Hour number one. Thanks to Mark Lawrence, Playbook Sports. Come back. Andy Isco, Arthur DeCesar. Great hour two. Live at Steiner's Pub, 101.5 FM Dawn. We're streaming live on that Odyssey app. You're listening to SportsX Radio. I'm Ken Thompson. Coming right back at you. Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 7 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shade Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Ah, yes, it does, KT. Wednesday night, Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, one of three in the Vegas Valley to serve you. Roger Sachs and the crew, outstanding service. Place is packed right now. I mean, just a great setup. All three locations. Wednesday nights, I'm right there. Buffalo, Vegas Drive, Albertson Shopping Center. But it is uh, packed. It's been a great crowd so far. And we're only a little after 7 o'clock. Folks, doesn't much matter. It's a 24-hour establishment. Got to be 21 or older to get in. But the food, doesn't matter if you want breakfast at 2 in the morning or uh, 4 in the afternoon. You can do that. And they've got the great setup as far as the beers. What they don't have on tap, they've got in the bottle. Service is outstanding. You've got your gaming, your video kino, video poker. And, again, that service, second to none. That's what makes it all important. You can have the great food and the great atmosphere, but if you don't have the great service, it takes away. Steiner's Pub has that trifecta, and they take care of you big time. That is a pet peeve of Roger Sachs. wants to make sure that his people are on it and paying attention to your table at all times. We are live here, of course, on Wednesday nights, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at the PSBR Law Studios here in Las Vegas. Panache, Boy, and Ravaputi, the best in personal injury. And, of course, I'm going to get to the Preventative Diagnostic Center a little bit later in this hour, so stick around. If you haven't heard, we've got one of the greatest hidden gems in the region as far as PD Center, and it's really outstanding if you uh, fall demographically between 40 and 72 years of age. Hour number two on Wednesday nights will look like this. Andy Esco will be first two segments, and then we'll go to Arthur DeCesar, Supervisor Westgate Superbook, and we'll roll into a bunch of games. Andy puts out a great newsletter himself, a sports newsletter, The Logical Approach. He's big time into all the sports. He's been here better than three decades and does an outstanding job. He's a great sports writer as well, and he's one of those minds that remembers a lot of stuff from a lot of years. And like myself, Andy and I, we enjoy talking about things 30, 40 years ago uh, because we seem to remember those even better than the ones that happened last year. But Andy's on top of it all. We'll get to him in just a sec. I do want to update a couple things as far as on the U.S. Open because I told you I'd keep you updated. Zhizhen Yang is in the fifth set. He is up 5-1 to one on number 5 seed Casper Ruud. That would be a 5-set upset victory big time there at Flushing Meadows. So we're keeping an eye on that one. Uh, Francis Tiafo, he won in straight sets. He was up 4-3 in the third set. He ended up winning that set 6-4, so he moves on. Taylor Fritz, the 9 seed from the USA, is up 5-1. That is the first set against Juan Pablo Varias. And uh, we'll keep an eye there. As far as on the ladies' side, let me see if anything 
let's see, Kvitova and Wozniacki are going out. Kvitova, of course, the uh, 11 seed. Caroline Wozniacki had a straight set win the other night, and it is four to three Kvitova in the first set. So keeping an eye there, Jennifer Brady also pulls off the upset against Magda Lynette. Lynette, the 24 seed. Brady in three sets, six one two six six two. Very impressive. You get that crowd, you can start. You know, the Americans really get into it. And uh, New York, they love their tennis. So that an update there as far as the U.S. Open. Meanwhile, on the out-of-town scoreboard, let me just update a couple things from Major League Baseball, and then we'll get to Andy. It is now 4-1 to Braves. That is top six in Colorado. And just getting underway, Arizona and the Dodgers. They'll actually throw that first pitch in about three minutes from now. Uh, gave you the Yankee final over Detroit 6-2, to and Pittsburgh leads Kansas City 4-1 to that game in the top of the eighth and the game that was tied at five texas and the mets the metropolitans win it by a score of six to five that knocks texas into third place basically because houston and seattle are tied for first place so texas will be a game back toronto gets a win they're still out of it right now if the season were to end today as far as the wild card the orioles get beaten the rays win again so the rays keeping the heat on the Orioles as well as Baltimore is playing. Tampa still trying to get that AL East. And if you missed it, there's a second gal that now has come forward in the Dominican Republic as far as the Wander Franco saga. And we're going to try and keep an eye on that. But this is uh, having improper relationships with underage women. And we'll see how it all shakes out. As uh, Brian Panish, senior partner, PSBR Law, told me, KT, innocent until proven guilty. We'll see how everything shakes out. But that is a look at the scoreboard and we're going to get into some college football uh nfl of course finishing up training camps raiders cut down to 53 like everybody else i bring in andy isco you can follow him on twitter at vegas andy 711 at vegas andy 711 ai great to have you on a wednesday night a little bit different setup now at least for the time being but we'll get you out to steiners every once in a while you're one of the best proxies year in year out and a proxy of course for you folks that don't know somebody that's going to be able to put in your plays Uh, You can come out to Vegas and sign up for a lot of the different contests. You don't have to be from here, but then you have to have somebody put your plays in that are inside the Nevada state lines. Andy Isco, one of the best. He's been doing it for a long time. This guy is on top of it. But this time of year, Andy, it's one of the busiest times for you because you kind of sort everything out and you got to get your timing down, make sure you got everything in there. And then, of course, you pick up new people. Uh, as you're proxying for new people each and every year, although you have a lot of people that come back year after year. But it really, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, you got to be on top of it. you got to dot those I's, cross those T's. And I always tell people, Andy Isco, he doesn't use one email or two. He uses four emails to make sure he's got all your plays and he gets them in there on time each and every week. Yeah, it's, it's like anything else uh, in almost any endeavor. It's preparation. And uh, the period of time, I'd say, August 15th through, let's say, the second week of the NFL season is my most hectic and disorganized time of the year because there's so many things going on that I have to get ready for, you know, especially with the football season uh, at hand and still keeping up to date with uh, Major League Baseball. But it pays itself off because then things get organized and run smoothly, dur- smoothly during the course of the season. And, you know, we got Labor Day coming up, and I think uh, it might be uh, next Tuesday, right after Labor Day, first college basketball magazines will hit the newsstands. There's never any rest or any time off. As soon as one season begins another one is just over the horizon no doubt about it but we do enjoy it and i really like this uh time for college football because it's standalone time pretty much yes we get the preseason and the roster cuts for the nfl 
but I do enjoy the week zero. I know there were only seven games last week. I enjoyed several of them. Uh, you got games Thursday through Monday, and a nice standalone game like they usually have on Labor Day. And Duke at home against Clemson, interesting game, so we'll get to that one last. But there are a lot of really good games, college football, coming up in week one. But before we get there, Andy, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the NFL. The opener a week from Thursday, a week from tomorrow, the Lions and the Chiefs, with uh, Chiefs, of course, defending Super Bowl champions at home against Detroit. But talk to me a little bit about a couple guys that I think mean the world to their defenses, and that's Chris Jones for Kansas City and Nick Bosa for San Francisco because as good as those teams are, and there's no doubt they can probably both still get to the Super Bowl without those guys, but it would be a tall task because both of those guys make everybody else on their defenses, respectively, uh, much better. Your take first on Nick Bosa holding out right now for San Francisco. How much does he mean to San Francisco in the logical approach Andy Isco's mind, and are they good enough to still get to where they want to get to without Nick Bosa? I think they are, but they're clearly not as good. I was going to talk actually both about Jones for Kansas City and Bosa for San Francisco because there's a lot of similarities. And the most important similarity to me is that they have really, really good defenses, but they also have outstanding offenses that can overcome some mistakes or shortcomings of the defense should there uh, be any. So uh, whereas they are both better teams with those two defensive players in there, there is a fall-off. I don't know if it's a fall-off enough. Uh, certainly in the case of uh, uh, San Francisco, simply because San Francisco, really, you, you look at the NFC, San Francisco and Philadelphia, certainly coming into the season, appear to be clearly the two best teams in the in the conference, and you know maybe there's somewhat of a drop-off into whoever you think is next. I know you're high on the Giants. I think they are in for a good season. Dallas always has, uh, you know, they've, they've had a solid defense for years. The offense, some Somewhat of a question mark from time to time. Don't know that any other team really uh, would come into the conversation. With Kansas City, it's a little different because there's so much power in the AFC. You can make a case, certainly, in the AFC North, all four teams could make the playoffs. Cincinnati and Baltimore, probably because of their offenses, uh, seem to be a bit better or separated from Cleveland and Pittsburgh. But all four are really solid teams. You got the Chargers. We don't know about the Broncos, although their outstanding defense it should be complemented by a better offense this year. So Kansas City might feel it a bit more, but again, this team is so experienced, and, you know, until proven otherwise, Patrick Mahomes may be the best player in the NFL. Yeah, there's no doubt that he leads that offense, and when you have a tight end like Travis Kelsey, that kind of helps out as well. He seems like he's always open. The guy's absolutely unbelievable, and even in a tight window, he's going to make the play more times than not. Are you sold that Brock Purdy will be as good a quarterback this season as we saw last year for San Francisco, because I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced, but I'm not going to say he won't be. Remember, nobody prepared for him last year until the end of the season when he, you know, as a third, fourth-string quarterback, had to take over with all the injuries. Teams have now had an entire offseason to break down his game and pick apart his strengths and his weaknesses. At the same time, going into the offseason, the 49ers staff knows that exactly that's what other teams are going to do as far as trying to find the weaknesses in Purdy's game. And they probably have spent a lot of time as well trying to uh, build his game up so that when they perceive those weaknesses to be in play, uh, they'll have some plays called and some uh, formations that uh, will sort of offset that. So I'm going to take a wait-and-see attitude. I mean, you know, look, 
what was Tom Brady, a six-round uh, draft choice when he came out? So these scouts don't always say that, hey, the best players are got to be in the first round or two. Don't, the jury is still out on Purdy, but he also has a lot of talent around him to help him uh, perform to, uh, to a level that keeps uh, the 49ers a playoff team. Who wins the AFC North, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland, or Pittsburgh? I think it comes down to Baltimore and Cincinnati because I do like those two experienced quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. Of course, we don't know the status of Burrow. Uh, will he be ready for the start of the season? The signs out of Cincinnati believe that the answer is more likely yes than no. At the same time, keep in mind that Cincinnati lost their first two games last year and still had a chance late in the season to be the number one seed. And who knows what would have happened uh, had that game against Buffalo uh, been played to its conclusion and Cincinnati ends up winning that game. So they were over and it's, I think they're able to overcome slow starts in recent years. So I think it's going to come down to Cincinnati and Baltimore. And I think if either team is able to sweep the other, that'll be the determining factor. But I think it's going to be very hard for those teams to uh, sweep anyone. I think the AFC North, top to bottom, is the best division in the, uh, of the eight NFL divisions. We said that about the AFC West going into the season last year. Raiders struggled in one-possession games, lost a ton of them. Josh McDaniels, Mick Lombardi offensive coordinator, hoping they can score enough that that won't come into play this year. Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator, a lot of question marks there coming over from the Giants. Your take as far as this Raiders roster, a little bit of a surprise with uh, some of the guys they kept, some of the guys that are let go. Uh, There's no doubt that uh, getting Josh Jacobs back will pay dividends, but of course he did not practice and didn't get any training camp or scrimmage activity. We know how good he was last year. Garoppolo steps in, Derek Carr is gone, Brian Hoyer, the journeyman, 15-year veteran, is the backup, and then the youngster out of Purdue, Aiden O'Connell, is your third-string quarterback. Devontae Adams, we know he's the real deal. Jacoby Myers coming over from New England. He looks to uh, set in at that other wide receiver position. We know Hunter Renfro had an all-pro year two years ago, but they don't have uh, Waller any longer. They've got Austin Hooper and the youngster out of Notre Dame and Michael Mayer. Uh, some big shoes to fill there, but they're hoping they can do it. On defense, we know Max Crosby is the real deal. Chandler Jones needs to up his game to what we saw two years ago in Arizona. And they've made some moves, and they went with some youngsters. Jacorian Bennett from Maryland coming over and winning a left cornerback position. So talk to me about the Raiders, at least what you see. We know the kicking game is one of the best in the NFL. A.J. Cole, outstanding punter, and Daniel Carlson, one of the most consistent kickers next to Tucker, may be the most consistent. Your take on this Raider team going forward, a win total of 6.5, Andy, down from 7, 7.5 opener. Where do you see the Raiders fitting in? Because they open with two road games at Denver, and they really mastered Denver over the last several years. But then they go to Buffalo, and Buffalo, of course, will be coming off that game against the New York Jets in a Monday nighter. What's your take on the Raiders? Well, I'm, I'm concerned about the quarterback situation, Garoppolo. Yeah, when he's healthy, uh, he's, he can make the plays. He's not an outstanding quarterback, but he's a good quarterback, good enough to lead teams that have talent. And there is talent. You mentioned Adams, you know, arguably one of the top two or three receivers in the game. We'll see how that combination works. I, I, it's important that Jacobs is back because he's such an important part of the offense. We've talked about it before. They devalue the running back. But there are still, I'd say, even if you say 90% of the revolt running backs are interchangeable and replaceable, I think Jacobs has 
shown in his first few years in the league that he's one of the 10% that really is, plays a key part in, uh, in balancing off an offense that uh, has some weapons. Uh, we've said it for the last few years, the Raiders' defense will be improved, but they haven't really been able to show it consistently. I do like the makeup of the roster. I like the experience, and I'd like to see the defense improve. I, I'm back and forth on the Raiders. I think the talent is good enough to win more than six games. It's a tough division, but remember, you play 17 games. There are 11 games against teams outside the division, and it's very hard to see the Raiders going 0-6 within the division. So I think there's a possibility. I'm more optimistic about the Raiders now than I was, say, a month ago. But again, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Josh Jacobs is uh, now back in the fold. He is Andy Isco at Vegas Andy 7-Eleven. we got another segment with Andy. Before we go to break, do want to inform you that if you do demographically fall between the ages of 40 and 72 years old, here in the Vegas Valley, if you live here, that's great. If you're coming in to visit, that's great as well. Why? Because the Preventative Diagnostic Center is key. Again, this is an unbelievable thing that we have here in the Vegas Valley. We've got the only scanner of its kind in the region. It gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease and lung disease. It is the Preventative Diagnostic Center under John Pierce. Dr. John Pierce has ageless forever, but this is his baby right here, Preventative Diagnostic Center, because he can prolong lives. You can get information on your internal organs that is absolutely outstanding give a call now leave a message get that free educational consultation let them know ken thompson sports x radio sent you you know the 702 for vegas 534-7900-534-7900-534-7900 comfortable scan takes a few minutes a few days later you get a detailed report from a board certified radiologist Heart CT scan calcium score special. This is phenomenal. $600 value, $125. Significant other, absolutely free. So the two of you get in there, get your hearts checked out, and make sure you don't get bondsided by the widow maker. If you're the guys and ladies, heart disease, number one killer of women in the United States year in, year out. Both of you can get your hearts checked out, $125. Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. Preventative Diagnostic Center, 534-7900. PDCenterLV.com. PDCenterLV.com. Do want to let you know that Zhijian Zhang knocked off number five, Casper Ruud. Five sets. Six four five seven six two zero six, or love six, I guess, and then six two in the fifth and final set. Taylor Fritz now up two nothing in the second set. Won the first set against Juan Pablo Varias, six to one, and he is on a roll. We are live from Vegas, live at Steiner's Pub, one hundred one point five FM K Dawn, streaming live on that Odyssey app. Download it now. A U D A C Y has a great rewind feature. You miss any part of the show, you can go back listen to it on rewind. Otherwise, follow at Ken Thompson eighty seven at SportsX Radio on Twitter, now known as X, and I will have the archives pinned right there at the end of the show. Usually about forty minutes after the show concludes. Live from Vegas, live at Steiner's Pub. Coming back with Andy Isco to talk some college football. Got a big weekend. Andy's got a lot of plays. We'll talk about it when we get back. Keep it right here, KT, live from Steiner's. Yes, a little ACDC. Mark Hoekspin in the hits here on a Wednesday night hump day. KT live at Steiner's little ACDC. Dirty deeds done dirt cheap. And uh, Andy Isco, he's done a few of those dirty deeds in his day, but we're not going to get into that. We don't. It's another show for another time. AI is with me and 
time to talk some college football. Andy, how'd you do in that week zero, seven games? Did you play anything? Actually played two games. Uh, one, I was uh, somewhat fortunate to hang on and win with uh, Jacksonville State uh, beating UTEP. And the other one, I'm not going to say it got close at the end, but I had the San Diego State-Ohio U under the 49, and it ended up being, I think, a 20-13 to 13 win. Had uh, Ohio been able to try it, tie it up at 20-20, then all of a sudden overtime and touchdowns come into play, but it didn't get there. That was an underplay all the way. That's really all that I did last week, uh, just to get a little bit of uh, familiarity with some of the teams that I've been following in the offseason. There you go. So good start for AI. Got uh, four games on Thursday, at least uh, FBS versus FBS games. There's a bunch of FBS, FCS games and a bunch of FCS games by themselves. Kent State, Central Florida, uh, that's one Central Florida moving into the Big 12. NC State and UConn, Jim Moore Jr. doing a nice job last year. But a Big 10 opener. What about Nebraska and Minnesota? Matt Rule opening up and, of course, uh, the problems with Eric Gilbert, the tight end transfer from Georgia uh, off the field. I doubt he's uh, part of the team after uh, much longer, but we'll wait and see. He got himself in some trouble for some burglary charges there in Nebraska just the other day. Your take on Minnesota P.J. Flex team, minus seven against Nebraska, 42 and a half. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting matchup. Uh, Matt Rule comes over uh, after uh, not having great success in the NFL uh, with Carolina. He now goes back to where he's been outstanding, first building up a program at Temple and then sort of uh, guiding Baylor out of the uh, – they had that scandal-ridden departure of Art Bryles, had them uh, – struggled in his first year, inherited some decent talent, but by the time of his second and third year, they were in a nice winning program. Nebraska, I think, has just suffered from poor coaching. Uh, last year. In fact, I believe if you look at what Nebraska did last year, they lost a lot of very close games. In fact, five games they lost by seven points or less. So you could easily, they could easily have been nine and three rather than four and eight. And a year earlier, Nebraska was three and nine, but none of those losses was by double digits. So there's clearly talent on that team, and often the difference between winning close games and not winning close games can be attributed to uh, poor coaching decisions, uh, maybe undisciplined uh, play, which causes penalties to wipe out gains. I like this Minnesota team. I like this Nebraska team. At seven points, I played Nebraska. All right, Florida and Utah, Rice Echo Stadium, and now the line down to four and a half. Brad Powers was convinced that Cam Rising, the quarterback for Utah, would not be ready for this game. So it'd be Bryson Barnes, Nate Johnson, those two guys, Bill Riley, the voice of Utah, joining me on Monday. Andy Ludwig's going to have to uh, rely on that running game. But it's a good one with uh, Jaquindon Jackson, Micah Bernard, Jalen Glover. I mean, they've got talent there. There's no question. Good, solid offensive line and a hell of a defense. Uh, one of the best tight ends when he's healthy in Keithy, but he won't play either. Uh, Vele, Parks, Matthews, pretty good receiving core. Your take as far as Utah, still a favorite, four and a half. 44 is your total. That total has gone down big time because Florida's offense, that may be anemic as well under Billy Napier. Now, he's brought Montrell Johnson with him uh, from Louisiana when he was there with the Raging Cajuns. But your take with Graham Mertz, the transfer from Wisconsin, taking over for Florida. Jack Miller's there as well as Max Brown, former LSU quarterback. What about the Gators? And the Utes right now, Utah, that opened a nine and a half point favorite, four and a half Rice Eccles, 44 year total. 
Yeah, and I, I expect Rising not to play, but that's still a huge adjustment for the uh, first game of the year. I do wonder how the altitude will affect uh, the Florida players who are used to playing in a lot uh, you know, humid conditions, and now they got to travel and go into a higher altitude, which they could find troubling in the uh, uh, second half. Although being young kids, I don't think it may be as much of a factor as perhaps it might otherwise be if, uh, if the situation were reversed. Um, Probably won't play the game, but I'll, I'll respect the move that was made down, but I think the move down is a little bit too much. I mean, I think that uh, I was prepared to take a look at uh, maybe six or less playing uh, Utah, and we're there now. And it, I, I, I would imagine as the status of rising gets more definitive and he is, let's, let's say, not going to play, that line will come down. I don't know if it will reach three, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes below four. All right, so four games on Friday, nothing that really – you know, piques my interest that much. I'll be interested in Louisville, Georgia Tech. Central Michigan will take on Michigan State, and Tucker's team could be way down. Battle of Miami, Miami of Ohio, Miami of Florida, Stanford and Hawaii. And Hawaii looked pretty good offensively against Vandy. Uh, never quit in that game. Timmy Chang's offense looked solid. Uh, but Stanford now uh, waiting there on the island, uh, ready to take on Hawaii. And that line, three and a half. What about is Stanford good enough? to take care of business because Brad Powers thinks too much love went to Hawaii and they had trouble of course with the the travel getting back because of the late finish there in Nashville against Vanderbilt then get back and it's a Friday night game not a Saturday game so not even a full week rest there what about Stanford three and a half 57 and a half your total yeah, I, I don't know that the rest factor is that is that significant. It's just the lack of additional preparation time for a team that uh, there's no film on it, and you have to go by basically returning players from last year. Not going to play the game. I don't. I can't trust Stanford right now. They also have a first-year coach, which sometimes takes a little bit uh, getting used to as far as what he has. I mean, it's a lot different what you see in practice and what you see in the game. Uh, Hawaii, Chang, uh, his second year. That's not unusual for teams to show improvement from a poor first season. Uh, Coach now knows uh, the the capabilities and game situations for the players. Uh, The line now is is too low for me to consider playing Hawaii, but I don't want any part of Stanford, so I'm going to take a pass on that one. Probably learn a lot more about both teams. I did like what I saw out of Hawaii. Remember, this is a team that last year on the road, excuse me, at home lost, I think, 63-10 to to, uh, to, uh, Vanderbilt. So that's quite a a turnaround uh, against the same opponent one year later. All right, Toledo, Jason Candle in his eighth year. Hard, hard to believe Matt Campbell left eight years ago. 54-32 and 32 straight up, not doing well against the spread, not making you any money. Uh, Illinois, good job by Brett Bielema last year. A uh, team that really, you know, got banged up there at the end, but they were fun to watch. Great combination of quarterback and running back, and uh, they've lost some players, but in the trenches, still to be reckoned with. I think this Illinois team, again, a dark horse there in the western half of the uh, Big Ten. What about Illinois at home against Toledo? This should be a good game. It's interesting if Toledo can control the line of scrimmage like they have against some of the mid-majors over the last couple of years, and that's a pet peeve again for Bielema. I think Illinois can wear them down. But I respect Toledo, although their offense not as high-flying as it was under Matt Campbell. But Daquan Finn, there's no doubt this kid can flat-out play quarterback for the Rockets. Yeah, and uh, Toledo considered the favorite to win the MAC this year, Ohio University, which acquitted themselves nicely last week defensively against uh, San Diego State, although San Diego State doesn't present much of an offensive challenge. Uh, Toledo uh, returns a lot of experience from last year. 
I, I'd like to be able to predict the outright upset here because I think Toledo can compete. I think the style of play that Illinois uh, uses, you know, Bielema loves to uh, uh, run the football. You know, that goes back to his days at uh, at Wisconsin, then a bit at Arkansas, uh, and that slows the game down. You know, keep in mind, of course, the new rules changes with first downs. Uh, the clock uh, continues to run, so that might cut a uh, number of plays. Well, it will cut a number of plays and probably points down as well. It may work out to one less possession. Maybe two less possessions per team over the course of a game, uh, but I think the uh, the slow pace of the game that I would expect to see. I'd like to see this line go up to ten, but uh, uh, if I have to settle for nine and a half, I'll take the nine and a half at Toledo. Yeah, no doubt. Chase Brown, what a year last year! Over sixteen hundred yards, ten touchdowns on the ground. He is gone, but Reggie Love the third is back. McCray is back as well. So still a pretty good tandem there. And of course, Altmeyer, the transfer from Ole Miss. Uh, Donovan Leary also there on staff quarterback-wise for the Illini. Let's look at San Jose State. Got a look at them last week. And I liked what I saw from Chavin Cordero. Uh, Brent, Brennan, his team played hard, and they had that flute play that they gave up that long touchdown to SC. But I thought they played rather well. And when you look at the score, 56-28, if you didn't watch the game, you're thinking, ah, this team has no shot in the Mountain West. I actually think they have a great shot to win the Mountain West. I, I respect Boise. I respect San Diego State. I respect some of these other teams that are perennial powers year in, year out. But I think San Jose State, with Cordero, a quarterback, could be the best offense in the Mountain West. Now, they go to Corvallis and take on everybody's darling or sleeper, so to speak, which is not really a sleeper any longer. Oregon State, under Jonathan Smith, his alma mater, is now in his sixth year, did a stellar job last year, and this team is loaded again this year, especially with one of the run, the best running backs in Damian Martinez. And then they get the Clemson transfer at quarterback, DJ Uyengalele at uh, QB, beat out Ben Branson, Anthony Gold, pretty good receiver. Uh, and the defense lost a lot. But they still have uh, Keaton Oladapo that will lead from his strong safety position, try and anchor that defense so that the D can catch up to the offense. What's your take on the Beavs at home against San Jose State? Because it's a lot of points, and San Jose State with a game under their belt against Southern Cal, you know, they may be able to hang in this one. Did you say the game is at uh, Oregon State? I thought it was at San Jose. Uh, it is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did I say yes? I'm so, I'm so sorry. I said in Corvallis. Yes, at San Jose State. Yeah, and that been, I had already had the Spartans circled. Well, I, I I probably won't play the game, but I can see some advantages for San Jose State. I mean, I like this Oregon State as a team. I think that all things being equal, uh, laying 16 and a half might not be a bad way to go. San Jose did what a lot of people expected them to do last week, and that's fall behind but not quit and end up getting the uh, cover, the, the big number as a result. Now, I like the fact that they have a game under their belt as opposed to Oregon State starting for the first time. It's tough to lay 16, 17 points on the road with any program, and you're right about San Jose. They could be a very potent offense in the Mountain West. Normally, I'd be tempted to look at the, uh, at the home underdog but I just can't trust them against a team like Oregon State that really seems to have made great strides, as you, as you mentioned, under the coach. has been there a few years now. So I'll probably pass. I'll probably watch. If I did anything in the game, I might look over the total, which I think is right around 54-55. That might be the way to uh, sort of play San Jose State in that game without asking them to, uh, uh, to cover that big number. Yeah, keep an eye on Nick Nash, the former quarterback. Had a great game against Southern Cal. Six receptions, 89 yards, and three touchdowns. And a a miraculous one, which I thought was the play of the week in the corner of the end zone for one of his three scores. And I do like Oregon State a lot. They were my dark horse to win the Pac-12. And uh, at 10-1, to 
was one that I played, but I do think that San Jose State has a shot to hang right there with Oregon State at home. Andy, give that a play or two that you like for the listeners. I'm going to go to a, a, a couple of games where I don't understand the road favorite being as big a road favorite as they are. One is Cal at North Texas. They're laying seven. I think it may be down to six and a half. I like this North Texas program. They've been a solid program for a number of years at that level. It's as much a play on North Texas as it is a play against Cal. Look around. If you can get the seven, that's certainly the number that uh, uh, that I would prefer to take. Another game that has me somewhat interested, Sam Houston State at BYU. BYU a 20-point home favorite. Uh, Sam Houston State, one of the two teams, along with Jacksonville State, moving up from uh, F, uh, FCS to FBS. I still call it 1AA to 1A, but in any event, they're moving up into the higher echelon of college football. Uh, they've been a really solid program at the FCS level for a number of years. They won the title, I think, in that COVID season, if I recall correctly. Uh, they've got some players that I think can handle uh, the, uh, the, the age gap that they have with uh, BYU. I like Sam, Sam Houston's quickness. Don't expect them to win the game. I expect them to give BYU a challenge. And I think BYU might surprise some people and be more competitive in the Big 12 this year than a lot of people think. But I think Sam Houston State gives them a game this week. I agree with you. I think BYU could be a dark horse there to win some games and make a bowl game. Keaton Slovis, of course, the SC quarterback, transferring to Pittsburgh, now the heir apparent there with Hall graduating, uh, will lead the Cougars. And Aiden Robbins, we saw him run rampant last year for UNLV. He will be the starting running back there for the Cougars. Cody Epps, Chase Roberts, pretty good receivers along with Keanu Hill. So we'll see what Sataki's team has. But uh, that is it, Andy. Next week we'll get into college football. We'll get into the NFL because we got the opener on Thursday. Thursday with the Lions and the Chiefs, and we'll get into NFL big time, and I'll get some predictions for you in the first segment. AI, appreciate you. Let everybody know how they can find you and follow you. Yeah, I'll be putting uh, weekly stats up once we get some data for uh, the uh, folks to see some unique stats that I use. Uh, right now, Major League Baseball is taking the focus uh, for the uh, summertime with some uh, good comparisons for whatever starting pitches are worth these days. TheLogicalApproach.com is where they can uh, find that information. Great stuff from Andy Isco at Vegas. Andy, 7-Eleven, take a break. Come back with Arthur DeCesar to wrap up the show. He is, of course, a supervisor there at Westgate Superbook. We're going to go college football, and we're going to go rapid fire, get through a ton of games. Live from Vegas, 101.5 FMK Dawn, streaming live on that Odyssey app. We'll be right back. Wonder Baby. Love that song, man. That is uh, one of those ones that just gets you clapping and rolling. I'm doing it right here at Steiner's Pub. They always play great music here 24 hours a day throughout and uh, great setup at all three locations. Andy Isco, appreciate him. And, of course, Mark Lawrence, our number one. And uh, we, we're going to wrap things up on Wednesday nights with one of the best in the business. He's a Connecticut kid. He is Arthur DeCesar. He is risk management supervisor there at the beautiful Westgate, Jay Cornegay, John Murray. What a crew. Sherman, all those beautiful souls over there make that one of the best sports books in the world. And uh, Art Dice 21 follow him on Twitter that way. Love this guy. He's a big Yankee fan. It's been a tough year for him. But uh, my producer, Mark Hope, being an Orioles fan, is not shedding a tear for Art Dice 21. Arthur, what is going on on this Wednesday night, my brother? Not much, KT. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm happy to be here to talk college football. 
I'll that's say right. That. You know, that's one of my favorites. Yep. All right, let's get let's get rolling. Minnesota, Nebraska, Big Ten opener. I always love when the conferences open with that opening game. And Kelly McManus, not a bad quarterback. Sean Tyler comes over from Western Michigan as uh, PJ Fleck going in there and uh, pilfering his old school there from the MAC. Uh, Chris Ottman Bell comes back. They've got players on both sides of the ball. Nebraska, Matt Rule, you know, a little distraction there with what happened with Eric Gilbert, uh, the tight end off the field. Jeff Sims transfers over from Georgia Tech to lead that offense. We know Marcus Washington will be ready to go. Billy Kemp, the fourth as well, pretty good receiver. Don't know about the defense. A lot of question marks as they try to bring it back to black shirt respectability. What about it? Minnesota staying steady over at the Westgate Superbook, minus seven at home in the home opener. Yeah, we haven't budged off that seven yet because we took sharp money on Nebraska at eight and seven and a half. I think people just saw Nebraska. And like you said, Matt Rule, first-year head coach, you know, they're, they're going to yeah, – it's going to be a, an interesting year for them. But P.J. Fleck in Minnesota is oh, – they're incredible. I think now that you get them at seven, there's probably some value. I don't know if we'll dip under seven to six and a half. And a lot of public money's coming on that under. It was as high as 45 and a half. Now 42.5. So Sharps on Nebraska, public on the under. All right, good stuff there. We'll get that information from Arthur on Wednesday nights. Utah at home against Florida, trying to avenge last year's opening loss in Gainesville. Uh, we know now more than likely the writings on the wall that Cam Rising will not play. Uh, at least that's the way it reflects as far as the line. Now, the line moved, and then it came back. And, you know, you never know with some of these people that work for the, the schools and, and what they know and what they don't know. But uh, you guys have pretty good people in place as far as your own information. When did you realize that it looked like, uh, for all intents and purposes, that Rising would not be starting for the Utes? I mean, KT, we, we pretty much felt that way the whole time. But, you know, then you get reports that he might play. And this, this number's kind of bounced around. And it's been two-way action because of the way it's bounced around. The big thing is the total has come down from 48 to 44. Obviously, the Utah QB problems is what has kind of moved aside. But... Utah's got nine defensive starters returning. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think Florida's that talented. Florida just doesn't seem to have a lot of talent. This is kind of a revenge spot for Utah. I understand they won't have their top quarterback. I think Utah is going to really bring it to Florida and with the game going away. Yeah, see, and I, I don't disagree with that because the running, game, uh, the running game with Jackson, Bernard, and Glover, I mean, that's a three-headed monster. And Witt, he's going to shuffle those guys in and out. And it's a veteran offensive line, too. So, yeah, Utah could maybe uh, dictate and pound the, uh, the defensive front there for Florida. We'll see how it plays out. Miami of Ohio, Miami of Florida, that'll be on Friday. Uh, I don't know how good this Miami of Ohio team is going to be, but I do know this, that Chuck Martin's team, he's now in his 10th year, they always come to play. So I'm not going to sell them short. They're getting 16.5 from Cristobal and Miami of Florida. We know that the Canes need to win. They're under pressure to win. They've got some playmakers, and Tyler Van Dyke's a good quarterback, but they better get out of the gate quickly. Otherwise, he's going to be in more trouble than he's in right now. He's already on the hot seat in year two. Yeah, and Cristobal and that team had a lot of expectations last year. And what were they, 5-7? and seven, They did not play well. This has seen two-way action on the side. Players took Miami of Ohio at 17, and then when we were at 16, they laid the 16 with Miami, Florida, settled back now in the middle at 16.5. 
total has creeped down two points from 48 to 46. Miami returns a ton of starters, 19, 20 starters. You mentioned the quarterback, Van Dyke. And we know Miami of Ohio with the Gabbard kid. I mean, he was injured last year, but he's been around. He's played a lot of football. So be really interesting to see what happens with this game. All right, Louisville's at home, or on the road, I should say, at Georgia Tech. They're minus 7.5, the Cardinals are, with one of their own back to coach them. That's Jeff Brom, and he brings his brother, Brian Brom, will run the offense there as offensive coordinator, but they've got playmakers. Jack Plummer comes with them as well, quarterback last year for Purdue. Uh, good, solid team. There's no doubt this team can play. Uh, Jarvis Brownlee, one of the better secondary players in the country, anchors that defense, which going to have to play catch-up to that offense because we know the innovative mind there for Brian Brom. Brent Key, Georgia Tech, is going to go with Haynes King at quarterback, transfer from Texas A&M. Right now, 7.5, the Cardinals favorite on the road, 49. What about it? The Tech hang in there? I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I think, you know, and you had mentioned when, you know, the conference is open with a game. you got to love that. Georgia Tech saw short money at 8.5 and, and 8. Obviously, seven and a half. I think those were players just saying the number's too big for a conference game at home getting points. A lot of sharp money came in on the under. It was 51, got down to 48 and a half, now back to the 49. You mentioned Brahm is the first-year coach. He's got a couple playmakers in that running back, Jordan, and that wide receiver trash that he can use. So, I mean... I don't know. I don't think Georgia Tech hangs in. They're still in a rebuild for me. I think I'd lay the points with Louisville. All right, about six minutes and about eight games, so let's go rapid fire. Kyle McCord will get the start, but Devin Brown will play as well for Coach Day in Ohio State. They're in Indiana. Coach Allen's team losing ground. They're plus 30.5, though, the Hoosiers are in Bloomington. 59 the total. Is that too many points, Dice? I don't know. Some guys laid the 28. We were at 30, now 30.5. I don't know. I think Indiana with no people on defense, it's probably not enough. Honestly, I could see Ohio State winning by five-plus touchdowns. I saw a potential in Hudson Card when we was at Texas. He's now anchoring that Boilermakers team, but they have a defensive-oriented coach as they bring Ryan Walters over from Illinois. Fresno State, Jeff Tedford, his fifth year, but it's his second tenure there, and this guy's a veteran. He's going to take on two first-year coaches in two of his first three games. Purdue minus three and a half against Fresno State, 47 and a half. I think the Bulldogs have a good chance to win this one straight up. I think so, too, and that was as high as six when we opened it originally. A lot of Fresno money came in. Not a lot of people really believing in Purdue. Totals crept down, too. You know, it was kind of bouncing around a little bit. And Fresno's got a really good running back in Sherrard, so I like Fresno in the game. I'd take the points. All right, anytime you go against Brad Powers straight up, uh, you got to have your work cut out for you, and I do, no question. But I love Spencer Rattler. I'm a Spencer Rattler guy, and he made me good money last year when they beat Tennessee straight up and Clemson to close the season. Nailed him on the money line on both those games. I like him to beat North Carolina in this game. Neutral field, Charlotte. I expect fans from both teams. I like this kid, Antoine Wells, uh, the receiver there for Carolina. I think Rattler's going to get off to a good start. I think South Carolina wins this game. I know everybody falls in love with this kid, Drake May, the quarterback for North Carolina, but I'm not sold. Give me South Carolina with the upset. Yeah, and if you're going to take the two and a half now, you could even roll it on the money line. It was a pick when it opened. A lot of UNC money came in. Big move in this game is the sharp money on the over. 61, now 64 and a half. Wow. Meanwhile, Dion gets underway. Boulder ball, but they're going to be at TCU. 
63 year total here TCU what a dream year last year for Sonny Dykes they're minus 20 and a half I don't know if I want to lay that because I'm sold that Shadour Sanders is pretty good I can't wait to watch the kid Travis Hunter he goes both ways for the buffs but we know the Horned Frogs are loaded we'll see if Chandler Morris can uh, step in the shoes there of Duggan your take on this one TCU minus 20 and a half 63 the public was happy to take Colorado at 22 and 21 it's now the 20 and a half probably would still take the 20 and a half Obviously, TCU, they still got some defensive guys, so they'll be stout on defense. They basically lost everyone on offense. But I'm with you. I'd probably take the three touchdowns. Washington, we know that Kalen DeBoer did a hell of a job last year, and he's got Michael Penix Jr. back and probably the best three receivers on any one team outside of Ohio State. Adunzi, Polk, and McMillan are outstanding. Defense could be pretty good as well under Ng and Morrill, the uh, two defense coordinators. Grubb runs the offense. I like this Huskies team. I'm not sold that Boise State and Andy Avalos' team is that good. I do like Taylor Green, but I think they've got a lot of catch-up to play in this game. I think they're going to be in trouble against Washington. I really think the Huskies are going to blow them out. Yeah, and it's come down. You know, you had to lay 14 and a half. It's now 14, so you don't have the hook sitting there. Penix is awesome. He's a dark horse Heisman for us. You know, we actually lose on him. You mentioned Taylor Green, also Halani for Boise State, really good running back. But I'm with you. This could be a really special season for Washington, kind of like it was last year. I'm glad you got Halani in there. My main sponsor, Brian Panish, St. John Bosco, Halani, a St. John Bosco product. Uh, West Virginia, Penn State, Penn State minus 20 and a half, 50, Happy Valley. It's a Nittany Lions team that's loaded again. Alar, the quarterback, pretty good, but the running game with Singleton and Allen going to be outstanding. The defense going to be, you know, formidable. They lose Porter Jr., but nonetheless, I think Penn State rolls. I don't know how good West Virginia is. I think Neil Brown's probably going to get fired after this year. West Virginia is one of the worst teams in the Big 12. There's been no move on the 20 and a half. It's pretty much sat there. But Sharps took under 53. Now it's at 50, and I think because of the Penn State defense, and the running game, they're not expecting a lot of possessions and low scoring because West Virginia might not score. All right, Dice, big one on Sunday, and I love the way Sunday's set up. LSU minus 2.5, Florida State, neutral field Orlando. What a game last year. Brian Kelly did a stellar job. Mike Norvell's got a squad and a half. Uh, Travis, excellent quarterback for the Knowles, and we know Jaden Daniels put on 15 pounds of muscle. Uh, Malik Neighbors, one of the better receivers. They got Noah Kane and Josh Williams. I mean, this is going to be a great game, and I'm glad. It's an early 9 a.m. game with Northwestern Rutgers and 4.30 with LSU Florida State, and you got that 12.30 matinee game there with Oregon State and San Jose State. LSU, man, I'm telling you, give it, give it to me. Tell me. I, I, I don't have a clue on this one. I, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it is, too. It's obviously the game of the week, top ten matchup. LSU minus two and a half. 56 and a half. Really no move yet on either side. Probably a little bit more LSU money than there's been Florida State money. Jaden Daniels, our top liability in the Heisman future. And both teams are longer shot national championship liabilities for us as well. I actually think LSU wins the game. Be a good game, though. Dice man only got 30 seconds. Duke and Clemson should be a great one on Labor Day. Duke catching 13, 56-year total. We know Riley Leonard's back to quarterback for Mike Elko. Dabo Sweeney is a favorite there along with Florida State to win the ACC. But this game's in Durham. It's the opener. Can the Dukies hang within two TDs? I don't think so. I think Clemson is back. Their D will be great. Two great running backs. And if Klubnik is just good enough, I think Clemson has a really great year and might make the playoffs. 
You're the best, man, and you always pay attention to the clock. At Art Dice 21, follow him on Twitter. Go over and see him at the Westgate Superbook, one of the best books in the world. That'll do it for us on a Wednesday. Tomorrow, throwback Thursday. You know the rules. No drinking and driving, no texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. I'm Ken Thompson. I've had a great time here at Steiner's Pub. You can, too. Talk to you tomorrow night. God bless. Good night, everybody.